the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good evening and happy Friday to you one and all. AJ Salveson here, March 27th, 401 your kickoff time here on the Full Court Press. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan, also streaming on 1069thefan.com. Hope you're having a great Friday. Hope you're being safe out there on the roads or wherever, however you are joining us. We thank you for doing so. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we're getting through it. You know, there's this, there's this mud and trudge that sometimes you have to walk through to get to the green, grassy meadows, and that's exactly what we as the world are doing is, is walking through the mud and trudge, and it's probably going to be a little bit longer than we expected um, it might, you know, might take you a little bit longer it, as sports fans, we're going to be probably doing this until most likely may, but, uh, there is hope at the end of the tunnel. There is a light at the end of the tunnel for us to be able to, <laughs> for us to be able to, uh, look forward to, uh, Eric France will be joining me shortly here on the full court press. Uh, we're going to replay our interview with Gary Wilkinson in the four o'clock hour. I'll be coming up in about 20 ish minutes. And then in our 5 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about, you know, Coach Anderson um, talked about the important, well, that if we are not playing football, and we talked a little bit about this yesterday, that if Utah State is not playing football by June 1st, or at least back into camp, then they need to look at a different way or look at a way of shrinking the schedule and getting just, a, I mean, at least getting the conference games in. And he, he gives some reasons why. In fact, uh, Bodie Reader talked about it yesterday with us here on the Full Court Press. If you missed that interview, you can go to our uh, our podcast, the Full Court Press, on Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify, and, uh, and look that up. And, uh, in fact, we'll play just that clip today. He talks about why and, and some of the reasons that, uh, imper- imperative reasons of why they should maybe, if they don't start football by June 1st, if they should maybe hold off or at least cancel some of the season. Just, I mean, maybe the non-conference portion of the schedule. Uh, we'll get to that in the 5 o'clock hour. We have our Friday 5 best. We're going to give the five best playoff games to watch. Now, of any sport. Okay, I mean, right now we're looking for any sport. So you got baseball, you've got football, you got basketball, you got hockey. You know, you might even have golf. Honestly, you might even have golf. Tennis, if you're a tennis guy. I don't know if you're a tennis guy or not. But if you're or a tennis lady, I should say. Uh... But we're going to look at the five games, playoff-wise, that you should watch. And why. And we'd love to hear your opinions as well. By the way, speaking of hearing your opinions, we want to hear Roll Call. Roll Call, everybody. 435-339-0321. Text in. Let us know you're listening. Where are you listening from? How you doing? How you holding on? You doing okay? Uh, how you been able to stay busy? Have you watched? Have you watched replays of games of any sort? What games have you watched? Or have you watched it? Are you just like, you know what? I already know the result. It's stupid. I don't care. For me, I've watched actually a few games. Now, Bodie Reader gave us two suggestions yesterday. Uh, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, or excuse me, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech uh, from two years ago. And then in 16, the Big Sky game, uh, Montana versus, I had it here too. Montana versus somebody. So I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to watch those two games and I'll actually, I'll do that uh, Honestly, I'll probably end up doing that this weekend because we have nothing else. So, uh, but yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, Utah Jazz, as you heard already in the top of the liner, 
Uh, they wanted to make it clear that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert have been cleared. Here's the key word, though. The whole team, staff, coaches, players, have all been cleared. They're all good. They're all healthy. That's that's the... Uh... Are, you, are you cleared? Are you healthy? Oh, no. Wait, I probably shouldn't... Well, I don't know. Are we ta- Wait, are we talking physical health for you or mental or social, Dude, emotional? On- okay, so honestly, that's actually a really good question. Because you kind of go nuts without sports. Well, at least I do. It, you, you t- like everyone's telling me like I should go watch Tiger King. Well, I've looked at the reviews and what Tiger King's about. I ain't touching that thing with a twenty. You know what? Sport. I just started watching that last night. You I'm probably like, shouldn't be. Well, I started. I'm like, what in the world? This is weird. Yeah, I'd be kind of surprised if you got through two episodes. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think it finished. Hi, did you get through full, the first episode? I think um, maybe half, three quarters. Really? I guess this guy is now asking for a suing somebody. She's in the news again today. No, Joey Exotic, is that yeah, his name? Yeah, something like that. Suing somebody for like $90 million, asking for an, uh, uh, Trump to get involved. Oh. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. This guy that breeds like big cats, right? Like tigers. and. I guess. Okay, so I want to know something because I've... trouble from humane society now, I've only read reviews from people, and in fact, if you've watched Tiger King, please give me a yes or a heck no of the watcher. Now, 435-339-0321 is how you can text in. It, a lot of it's unfiltered. Yeah, so, so that's what I've heard. But then I, I heard like... stopped they, caring for some of the language, so but that's why I But I heard they like it. start killing tigers. What? Yeah. But here's the thing. If that's the case, PETA would get a hold of that thing and rip them a new one. Well, there's a story about some guy in Ohio that had a bunch of cats and then just turned them loose. And so just regular Joe police officer shows up like, hey, we got a bunch of big cats on the loose. What are you going to do? I mean, you let them into the community? So they had to put them to Ed to shoot them. Yeah, I don't... But there are some, man, there were some really crazy characters. Yeah, so I was going to watch it, and then I read some reviews. Like, I'll just read the reviews to see what, I mean, and it's getting raving reviews, by the way. It is like 10 stars from a lot of other major outlets. It's a documentary series, but LA Times does have uh, language, uh, and I don't know how what other Huge on Rotten Tomatoes, big on IMBD, but just like, the plot to it, I'm like, you know, I probably would be better off not watching it. Yeah. Uh, I, like I said, I, I maybe made it through half an episode, three quarters of the way, and I turned it off. Like I have a, I mean, I have a sense of humor. Don't get me wrong, but that's that's probably too much for me. Yeah, yeah. some weird uh, people. But no, okay. So, but then on the other side of it, like I really do miss. So, by the way, I was, uh, I got onto, I don't have Twitch, but David Locke had this locked on sports live. Where he was watching the live version of the, or not live, but the the um, the game of Game Six of the nineteen ninety seven Western Conference Finals, uh, with Rockets and Jazz, where Stockton hit the shot. Oh, great! Do game. you know what's interesting about those games and what what they've what they leave out? Did you notice ever since they've re aired that game since nineteen ninety eight, and this is not a joke. They're missing something. They're missing one play. Do you want to know what that play is? It's the play just before Stockton hits the game-winning shot of how the Jazz get the ball back. Drexler drives in and takes a really bad shot, a really dumb shot with time left on the clock, and then Jazz get the rebound, and then that's Stockton. They don't show that play. They skip it. They skip it, man. Out of all the plays to skip, they skip that one. 
kind of important. So, anyways, I had a chance to watch that yesterday. That was cool. Um, and then I watched a. Uh, what what other games have I watched? I need. I still need to get Bodie Reader suggestions. I need to get those up on on my TV screen. Uh, what else did I watch though? I watched uh, the re-air of oh the uh, Boise State TCU Fiesta Bowl game, mm. which was just absolute highway robbery for both teams that. The BCS committee was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't have two non-Power 5 teams beating our Power 5 teams. So let's uh, just do yes, this. Yes, that's right. Let's TCU put them was together. still in the Mountain West at the time. Bingo. And so they put them together. Yeah, that was a joke. And Boise State won. And there then they're been all like, two, oh, see, TCU wasn't that good in the first place. TCU. And Gary Anders, or not Gary. Should have uh, been matched up with somebody pissed. else. Yes. Yes. And, didn't, and, and then they, uh, there was the... Which one was it? When Boise, you know, TCU played Wisconsin like the following year and then beat Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. And everyone was like, holy crap, what was TCU doing playing Boise State in the Fiesta Bowl? <laughs> and that's when like the whole like like outrage towards the BCS community really started to kind of go down. Um, so, yeah, I just miss sports though, man. I, I miss it a lot. And now we're hearing, um, obviously, as we all heard, Donovan Rudy okayed as is the team, the coaching staff and staff and players, equipment managers and all sorts. Right, the uh, Utah Department of Health, they have cleared the Jazz players and, and staff who were involved in that uh, now famous game, maybe infamous game, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. But the game that happened in Oklahoma City, gosh, Ajay, that was a week and a half ago? Yeah. Or, or has it been longer than that? Has it been two and a half weeks ago? Uh, no, longer than that now. I think we're at three now, aren't we? Are we? Yeah, we're at three. I, I'm not even joking. I think we're at three. Well, it was on a Wednesday night, so was it two weeks ago ish? Okay, or was yeah, it go, three weeks ago? No, it's three weeks. So ago. much time is I like, know. It just Here, every day seems like a week, and every week seems like a month. But then, because so much changes every day. But then this came out the news today uh, of this. By the time Saturday the fourteenth hit, Adrian, I was so tired. That I, if I tried to get out of bed from Saturday the 14th through Tuesday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, I kid you not, I could not be out of bed for five minutes without needing to go back to bed and lay down. And it was that Tuesday, St. Patrick's Day, I was thinking, boy, I don't have any of the normal symptoms, but I thought to myself, it, it seems to me I should probably get tested. And my daughter is an attorney. Her fiancé is an attorney. They had come to me on that Thursday. And my daughter's fiancé's mom was a nurse for many years and was a nurse educator. And she was quite concerned, obviously, that perhaps I had, through all the travels, et cetera, possibly been exposed. And, uh, and made the decision that Tuesday night, St. Patrick's Day, to go down to a local city hospital in Philadelphia and get tested. And that's exactly what I did. That's Doris Burke, sideline analyst uh, and uh, NBA analyst as well for the NBA. She was tested positive for the coronavirus. And, and it was just over two weeks ago, Ajay. That's all it was. It's just been two weeks. That's it. I mean, two weeks. I mean, over the course of a normal calendar year, two weeks go by and you're like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, that was just, just recently. Two weeks ago now seems like forever ago. Two yeah. weeks ago, we were still wondering if the... Conference tournaments were going to be canceled or not. Yep. yep, that's a great point. Two weeks ago today, they were starting to be canceled mid-game. 
That's all it's been is two weeks. So much has changed in two weeks. We went from just a handful of cases to now the United States of America has had more positive cases of coronavirus than anywhere in the world. Now, imagine what would have happened if Rudy Gobert had not tested positive. How much worse would things be today and next week and the week after that? Yeah. Because really, That's the true. first quote-unquote famous person or first athlete to be tested positive really put it in everybody's mind that, oh, this is serious. we got to start shutting things down. And all the games, all the crowds that got stopped because of that likely saved thousands of lives. Yeah, see, here's the thing is that Rudy Gobert got crucified by everybody, but really he played the scapegoat because if he doesn't get tested positive, we're all just going on about our normal daily lives. The March Madness tournament happens. The NIT tournament happens. Everything happens. And then guess what? Like you just said, we all of a sudden come together and we're like, wait a minute. He's positive. He's positive. He's positive. And then it's just it, it what, what it is right now bombshells. times it, triple times it, and it's just as worse. It's just like multi-level marketing. Brian Windhorst of... Uh, <laughs> you share it with some of your friends, and then they share it with some of their friends. <laughs> That's not awful. No. Uh, Brian Windhorst of uh, NBA's The Jump does a really great job. We've had him on our show once. Uh, has some concerns of where the NBA stands, where owners and teams stand with their players. Really interesting stuff. Here's the first bit of Brian Windhorst talking about teams losing touch with the players. It's having a dramatic effect across the league. Teams are in contact with their players every day, but because they can't actually train them, they're losing touch, and this is actually going to slow the return of the league whenever that's possible. That's a great point. See, the biggest issue we're having right now, Eric, is the fact that uh, these players aren't allowed to be outside. And by the way, the NBA sent out a mandate towards every player, athlete, equipment manager, and coach. Do not go outside. If Do not go to a gym. Stay do away not from go to the facilities. YMCA, stay away from the facility. Do not go to a church ball gym. Stay out of them. Do not go there. You don't need to be there. Because they want to protect the health of their players. Well, and so, Donovan Mitchell's sitting down there. He's, you know, he's, I mean, sure, he's eating grapes and a banana and maybe a nice little smoothie. But he's sitting down. Yeah, they're not active. And there's this risk. We talked about this yesterday with... Uh, Bodie Reeder, assistant coach for Utah State, the offensive coordinator for the Utah State football team, that there's a concern about rushing players back to a regular season if you don't have enough time for their bodies to acclimate and get proper conditioning. Because if you all of a sudden throw them into a, a season where games matter and games are important, you said you're going to have 100 hamstring injuries right away. It's no different for the NBA. They've been without basketball activity now for two weeks and they're going to need some time to get going before they resume the regular season even if this starts to go down and it's on a downward trend and they figure out a way to isolate players maybe even still hold games these teams are going to need to get together to practice get their bodies back conditioning right and in the gym it's so it's even going to be a few weeks after that before they're really good to go Speaking of NBA, and by the way, we'll get to his head ball coaches, his concerns, and what his solution is in the second hour. Uh, but speaking of, of conditioning, Brian Windhorst brings out that same issue that NBA execs have a worrisome about, can they go out and play a 48-minute basketball game? 
There were certain players who have terrific uh, equipment in their homes, like LeBron. Probably has one of the best home gyms in Los Angeles. Some players have indoor basketball courts at their house. They're able to have workouts, but a lot of guys do not. Some teams disassembled their entire equipment room and sent uh, equipment and free weights home with players, but most teams that I've talked to didn't do that. Alex Caruso of the Lakers gave an interview yesterday where he said he's using a jump rope and a basketball in his garage, and that's it. Alex, we, Alex we, I could really care less about what Alex Caruso is using. Yeah, but I think it does illustrate that your your top level, your veterans, your big money guys are probably going to be set up more. But if you're mid level, if you're a bench guy, yeah. even if you come on and you play ten minutes a night, really, are you going to have the resources to have that kind of well, equipment and in your pre- home? I mean, and the thing is, you don't prepare for this, right? Because you don't prepare for a coronavirus to come hit you, no, cancel your season or cancel most of your season until later. Date. I got to do all my training at home, and now no, I got to no, be at home. What, like, I mean. I, that's what the team facilities are for. You move the kids' toys and you run out the run up and down the if stairs you've been for thirty minutes. Do you bring that stuff with you. Yeah, all the I mean, time? how do you handle that? And so that's that's a big week. And then the other here here's a part Brian Windhorst is talking about of the six weeks in China. Yeah, nobody knows about that. We don't have any sense of dates. But I'll tell you this, in China, which I think is so relevant to what's happening in the NBA, their players have been practicing for two weeks, and they just postponed the league for two more weeks. And, and they could potentially be practicing for six weeks before the start of their, the restart of their season. Whew. So if you're, if you're hoping basketball in April, forget it. It's not happening. Uh, it's probably not happening. Yeah. Late May probably I would see. That's happen. my guess, too, is late May. And when the basketball does come back, Eric, empty arenas or fans? The reality is, if the NBA comes back, at least in the short term, it's going to be in empty arenas or even empty aircraft hangars where they put down a court, and it's probably going to be in a centralized location where the players can be sequestered. And that is just something that players are going to have to start getting their minds around. Okay, Eric, we just looked at each other when you said that and just like shook our heads and smiled. Eric, (laughs) but what do you do? I mean, if you're going to still play these games, you have to find a place that's secure. That it's uh, it's it's been sanitized. That uh, is reliable. That you don't necessarily need a big arena to do this. All you need is a gym floor, mm-hmm. a few essentials. So, do you turn on the building and all the uh, lights and electricity and heating and air conditioning for a, a big facility like that, or do you keep it even more isolated? I mean, I understand there's been some talk about maybe besides an airline hangar. Maybe taking it to a more isolated place like uh, the Bahamas, or oh, there you go. picking a location that uh, has one or two gyms, so it's not everybody just waiting for time in that one gym, um, but uh, in a in a community that's not as severely affected. But still, you'd have to clear everybody on your staff. Everybody have to be med- medically cleared, and basically, you'd have to live in a compound together. To do your game so nobody's going in and out that could potentially bring the virus back in. It's just, it's it's scary how much, uh, how much this has just grown to be where it's at now, right? Because I think you and I brought this up, I think, in a conversation two weeks ago. How at first it was like, huh, yeah, Corona, okay, that, that's funny. Okay. Yeah, everyone, that's cute. Yeah, here's a diaper, get it changed, you'll be fine, it's relaxed. To now where 
oh my gosh, we aren't going to see NBA basketball back until maybe late May, if June. MLE baseball, where does it come out? Gary Anderson, the head coach of the Utah State football team. Hey, maybe we take out the non-conference games and play just conference games if we can't get back by June 1st. Which, by the way, I've talked to a couple people and there is that that is on the table. That is on the table. We'll get into that more in the second hour. Um, and you'll actually hear from Kirk Street, who said something pretty similar to that. Uh, hey, by the way, I uh, want to c- continue this discussion, but just just in Governor Herbert, Governor Gary Herbert for the state of Utah, uh, announcing today, just this afternoon, just within the last few minutes, quote, we are in the throes of a very challenging time. All of us are making difficult adjustments, some big, some small, to our daily lives. Today, I'm issuing a stay safe, stay home directive to all Utahns. We've seen this order earlier this week in Idaho. We saw it earlier this week in uh, in Summit County. There has been immense pressure from especially uh, government officials in Salt Lake City and Salt Lake County to issue something similar there. And now the governor has uh, pulled the trigger to do that for the entire state of Utah. Do we know how long? I don't see that uh, I'm going to try to see if I can find that but uh, an executive order issuing so can, all sections of Utah um, well that they do a stay safe stay home so can you just for our people as a polite response of what does that exactly mean Eric so all I can do is, is look at what's been done in other communities and other areas basically that means um, if you're non-essential business or non-essential employee, stay home. Don't travel. Uh, telecommute. Work. Do things online if you can. But um, stay home. Because there's people that have been social distancing. This kind of takes it to another level. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it. Uh- but I want to clear one thing up. Please. Because there's been confusion of this in Idaho and in Summit County. Police are not going to be going around patrolling the streets and pulling people over if they're out and about. <laughs> they're not going to set up barricades. Where are you going? I'm going to do a radio show. What's your radio show? I'm on the 106.9 The Fan. You don't listen? Come on, officer. You're a sports guy. That's a great clarification. Yeah, so... Um, now he's, he does say that people still need to get groceries, medication, healthcare, exercise, but it does give counties a little more flexibility to decide what that means in their area. Okay. So there are some counties in Utah that really aren't affected yeah. very much at all. So it doesn't make sense to do something like this there. Others are, sev- are severely affected. So it, it does give them a little bit more flexibility, but... Um, yeah, anyway, we're still gathering a little more information uh, on what this really means. Uh, it, it's not mandatory, but the governor is strongly encouraging Utahns to do so. Okay, you heard it here. Governor Herbert has issued a statewide stay safe and stay at home. If you don't need to be outside, if you don't need to be out and about, stay home. Turn on Netflix, turn on ESPN Plus, and rewatch some of Tom Brady's greatest games. It will keep you company for quite some time. All right, coming back, we're going to take a commercial break, but coming back, you will hear our re-airing version of Gary Wilkinson 
here on the Full Court Press. What we're going to do is we're going to go to This Week in the NFL, and then we'll go to a commercial break, and then we'll come back, and you'll just hear Gary Wilkinson coming right off the bat. We'll come back, and we'll wrap up the first hour, and then we'll uh, go into our 5 o'clock hour afterwards. That's our schedule here for the 4 o'clock hour. That's all on the Full Court Press. Eric, France, and Ajay Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I'm Ryan Radke with NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reports the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's representation have re-engaged on long-term contract talks and would like to work out a deal. Prescott's new contract could reset the quarterback market, and Rappaport says negotiations are about far more than average dollars per year. Could Andy Dalton remain in Cincinnati for the 2020 season? Rappaport reports that all options are still on the table when it comes to Dalton's future with the Bengals, and that includes potentially bringing the quarterback back in 2020 and having him serve as the backup. Dalton is set to make $17.7 million next season. Andrew Brees is giving back to the community in a big way during the COVID-19 pandemic. The Saints quarterback and his family will donate $5 million to help deliver meals to needy people in Louisiana. Stay with NFL Network, NFL.com, and the NFL mobile app for all the latest news from around the league. This has been NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Full Court Press, Aldi Salvas and Eric Franson here, 106 and FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hope you're staying safe. Again, uh, if you missed it, Governor Herbert has issued a stay home, stay safe uh, mandate on all Utah citizens. Now, at, uh, again, it doesn't mean that the cops can go out looking for people on the streets, but if you don't need to be out, if you don't need to be traveling, even for recreational activities, uh, which, by the way, have now been eliminated, you need to be at home, in your house, and away from everybody and everything going on. Uh, so get your grocery shopping done. I'm sure it's getting kind of crazy out there in the stores right now, but uh, we do are unsure about how long this mandate will last. Um, we'll have uh, Eric keep you updated as it comes along. <laughs> Meantime, let's go ahead and get to our replay interview of the week that belongs to, of the day, I should say, that belongs to uh, one that we did part of our continual Aggie uh, above Aggie Aggie or average Aggie basketball players. This one was just a tad above average. We're talking about Gary Wilkinson, one of the great big men ever in Utah State history. Here's our interview with Gary talking about his career and time at Utah State. Again, thank you to all those who have been a part of it so far, and we continue it now here on the Full Court Press. Joining us live in studio, which is pretty cool, Gary Wilkinson, one of two All-Americans from the front court in the big man era. Uh, Gary, thanks for your time, my man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. He was also the WAC Player of the Year. Don't leave that out. That's true. I, I guess I, I mean I know Gary. You don't like to talk about yourself or hear about yourself. <laughs> we can go through a list of accomplishments if you really want yeah. to. It is a uh, it is a very impressive list to say the least. That'd be a short segment. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, one of the best again. One of the best to ever do it. Uh, he uh, first team all WAC in 09, second team all WAC in two thousand eight. He was a WAC. All-newcomer in 08 as well. Third-team All-American in 2006 and a two-team first-team, two-time first-team All-SWAC uh, in 2006-2007. Uh, so let's start there. What was your journey like to come to Utah State? How did that process go? Yeah, we could fill a That's a long a story whole, in and of itself. Yeah, but uh, basically the, the Cliff Notes version, dropped out of high school, you know, found my way 
found my way back uh, on on the solid ground. I uh, came home from LDS mission. Decided I didn't want to pay for school. I was really tall, so I said, you know, maybe I'll play basketball. Got a scholarship at uh, Salt Lake Community College, <clears throat> and um, things just went up from there. Uh, got recruited all over the country, and you know, Utah State was the best fit for us, so we came up and decided to be Aggies. Well, when was your who first recruited you to Utah State? Uh, let's see. It would be Coach Ware. It was kind of a team effort. So I'd hear from Coach V, Coach um, Verlin, Coach Derrier, and Coach Ware um, just throughout my time at, at uh, Slick. But I think that they weren't sold on me at first. They were kind of still deciding whether it was going to be me or Adrian Sturt from uh, Snow College. But he didn't uh, obviously end up there. So, What was your first interaction with Stu Morrill? Let's see. Um, to think back about that, I think I don't. I think I heard from Coach. I didn't actually meet Coach till my recruiting trip. Um, I came up and watched a couple games, and uh, then on my recruiting trip, I sat in his office and and I was this guy's intimidating. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, he, he. You know, I Coach Coach didn't really. He wasn't a salesman. You know, he didn't try to, he left that up to the other coaches. And so when you, you got in to talk with coach, you kind of just knew he meant business. And I liked that. I was ready. I was ready for that. But, uh, he, he was intimidating. I was, I was scared of coach until years after I was done playing at Utah state. Now I'm, I can approach him in a bit different, but, uh, <laughs> but he's an intimidating guy. Is he real? I mean, I guess as a coach, did you, cause he, I've heard stories how like players would be able to like, kind of sit down and have conversations as when they were playing for him. That would be non-basketball related. Did you ever have a conversation like that? You don't have to go into deep detail if you don't want to, but did you ever have a conversation like that with him? <laughs> I tried. Uh, well, I uh, so at, when I transferred from Slick, um, so to answer your question, not not really. No, okay. um, But there was one conversation. Where, so all freshmen and transfer students had to do uh, study study time of combined student athlete study time. Mm. But I transferred from Slick with like a three nine, and I and I'm like I don't want to go to that. I can do it on my own, and it's just a waste of my time. So I created this whole um, spreadsheet of why I don't have to go to st- study time, <laughs> and and so I scheduled a meeting with them. So I get in there, and I I was up and I was nervous, and I go in and I hand him the sheet that I had taken you know a good amount of time to prepare. He took like three seconds look at the title and said no. <laughs> So I went to study time. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, you were a part of some pretty special teams w- when you were here. You guys had a great run of success in the Western Athletic Conference. Um, it, it seemed like there were great battles that were going on at that time. Nevada was a great team. Uh, there were other some pretty good teams in the conference. But uh, are there are there games or at least or uh, opponents that stand out the most in your mind when you reflect back on your your playing days? Yeah, um, I think one of the Fresno, my my senior season, so that'd be 08, 09, uh, we played Fresno at Fresno. And we were right on the cusp of breaking top 20, top 25. I think is the, and uh, it was kind of a must-win game for us to kind of define our season. And we uh, we battled hard, and we were up by three with like 0.6 seconds left. And then uh, Sylvester Say hit this. I couldn't even hit that shot if I shot it a hundred times and he did it with like 0.6 left from like the free throw line of the 
of his side of the side. court. Yeah. And uh, we battled through that one, and we ended up winning. And then the, to win the uh, WAC uh, tourney title uh, against Nevada was a huge game. And Coach would always say during the year, like, about January or February, I no longer coach this team. It's your team. And uh, you guys are, are in control and you take responsibility. And I remember in timeouts during that game, like he couldn't even get a word in edgewise because we were talking so much about what needed to happen. We just we just rolled. And, uh, you know, that was that was just a, a, a nod to, to the quality of guys that Coach Morrill would recruit up here and, and his staff. I mean, they, they just pulled in guys that just – wanted to win and were willing to dedicate themselves to do it. So um, those are a couple games. I could, I could go through a, through pretty much every home game that we, that we played because we won them all while I was here. So it was impressive. 19 in a row. You guys won 19 in a row. It was some about Stu Morrill and conference winning streaks that made him so legendary here in Aggie. And this is again, uh, 19 in a row, which included, as you said, wins, two wins over Fresno state, uh, a gutsy win over Nevada, uh, you beat New Mexico State, who was a thorn in the Aggie side for so many years, and you beat them not once but twice, including in the tournament. You guys beat them by one in that semifinal game. Do you remember that one, the uh, conference semifinal? Yes, I, I do, and I and I have to say that Tyler Newbold was the hero. I mean, that, I don't remember this. This that guy was unbelievable. So we were we were down by one. No, we were da- we were up by one. We fouled um, Nevada, no, excuse me, New Mexico State had the ball. We fouled uh, Young. I think it was Young. So he's at the line. He makes the first, see, he puts him up by one for, I can't remember. Anyway, they ended up being up by one, but he missed the second free throw and uh, it went over my head. And so I missed the box out. It was like my fault. And Tyler Newbold comes flying in, <laughs> grabs the rebound, jump ball, our ball. We get into a timeout, we run the play for Ty. Ty gets the ball, run, they double-team him. He kicks it to Tyler Newbold in the corner. Tyler knocks down the jumper from the corner to, to put us in the lead to win the game. Newby was – was it, he's like the unsung hero. He's one of my favorite teammates of all time. He just did <coughs> – excuse me. <coughs> he just did everything for us. So. Uh, you guys, Gary, it's interesting looking at the pattern of these stats. Sorry, Eric. Uh, you – Stat-wise, by the way, looking at the box, per game stat totals, Gary Wilkinson, Jared Quayle. In totals, Gary Wilkinson, Jared Quayle. Per 40 minutes, Gary Wilkinson, Jared Quayle. In advanced stats, Gary Wilkinson, Ty Wesley, then Jared Quayle. It seemed like there was always three or four guys, really, that were the core to helping this team become as great as they were that season. Is that, is that would you correct that as fair, or would you say that there was more to the team than what we saw? Yeah, I think that's... I mean, those are the guys that, that kind of shouldered the load offensively. I know I definitely did not do that defensively. <laughs> but uh, but like I, I said, you know, Tyler Newbold was a guy that just did everything for us. And so he, he, he led the nation in assist-to-turnover ratio uh, as a three uh, my senior year. So, and that stat doesn't really get you much attention, but is actually is quite a representation of your ability to, to carry, carry a load. So, um, but you know, obviously Ty was fantastic as a basketball player. He did so much. And then Jared was all over the court. And so, I mean, there, there's so many on that team. And then, you know, Pooh stepped up in the WAC tournament and he guarded Armand Johnson during the, 
the oh, and he shit. shut him down, which was a huge uh, game plan, and he just did it. He just did a great job. So there, there, there were players who stepped up at different times. Matty Formasano knocked in a game winner in Santa Barbara. So it was just it was always a team effort with us. We always kind of find a way to do it as a team. In that uh, end of that eight oh nine season, you guys do get an NCAA invite. You end up going just up the road. You have to go far. Mm. It's a venue you're familiar with, and uh, you battle Marquette. It was a back and forth game. Describe how that game played out, and just you were so close to breaking through and getting another NCAA win for the for the team that just eluded and continues to elude Utah State. Yeah, that I mean, it was a dark dark day in my life. <laughs> but uh, we we had it. I mean, during the course of the year, when we would when we would uh, you know work out wins, um, it would end up being we'd grind out a game, and then with about four or five minutes left, we'd start to be up four, five, six points, and then we would just have the character to to write it out. And that's exactly what happened. We were up. I think there was four minutes left. We were up by six, and that's where we wanted to be. They came back, hit a few shots. And we ended up being down by three with like 25 seconds left. I got the ball at the top of the key, <laughs> took a dribble, stepped back, three, and it felt so good. But I faded away just a little bit. Shot was short. We lose. And uh, it was brutal. I mean, I, I, Coach Morrill, like, it was tough. We we were a team, like, we beat Marquette. We are poised because that conference, the, the way that the schedule was working out, they, we had good mat- matchups along the way. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Jared fouled out at the end of the game, which hurt us. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, that, and he was playing spectacularly. I mean, he, he played really well that game. And uh, that just kind of, you know, I don't think too in-depth about that. It still frustrates me. You know, Coach brought up, a, and, I, and I hate to kind of stay on it, but he brought up an interesting uh, scenario where I guess there's a ball that was shot, and if it grazes – the rim, if I'm not mistaken, then it goes, I think, right into your hands. Instead, it's an air ball, and it goes into a Marquette player hand, and he ends up going to the other side and knocking down a bucket, and it kind of just snowballs from there. Instead, if, if that grazes off the rim, it goes into Gary's hand, and he has a wide-open layup, and you're up eight now with, like, two and a half minutes left or something like that, and the game's probably over. Like he, he says he, like, plays that game in his mind over and over and over again. He says it's the most heartbreaking loss he ever suffered in his career. Well, yeah, I, and I can, I can agree with that. I, I, I haven't watched the game. My wife says it was the darkest day in our marriage because I mean, just riding the bus home, and then, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just we were rolling. We had a great, great momentum. We had an unbelievably talented basketball team. We were all, you know, we all got along so well, and it was just you know one of those things where we wish we could have it back and do it over again. Yeah. One of the things that we've been asking uh, these uh, interviews with above-average former Aggie basketball See? players <laughs> Twister. is just what did you do after Utah State? When it was all said and done and you couldn't don the Aggie jersey anymore, uh, you got to go play a little bit more afterwards. You know, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so I curled up in the fetal position first. When we couldn't <laughs> the jersey. We then, can't blame you for that. And then... And then uh, so I, I went down to, to Las Vegas, started my NBA workouts. I flew out to, to a few teams, Lakers, Warriors, played summer league with the Jazz, um, got invited to vet camp, didn't 
I knew I wasn't going to make the NBA squad. Had a great offer in South Korea. So I went to South Korea, then Greece, uh, then three years played in the Australian League. We won two championships there. Went to Estonia, won a championship in Estonia. We played in a league that played all over Europe. And then um, decided to go to law school. But I took the LSAT, had to wait a year, so I went back to Australia to play one more season because I couldn't just sit around and uh, spend my money. And then uh, came back and went to law school at the University of Utah. Um, but uh, it was, you know, I wouldn't trade playing overseas for anything. It was just a phenomenal experience and to be immersed in those cultures. I actually ended up playing with Spencer Nelson in Greece. Oh. Um, and uh, that was a fun experience. Got to know him and his family really well. And, um, and then just living in these places was, was great. Uh. I love Eric always asks this question. I got to ask it. Favorite Stu Moral story? <laughs> there, there are quite a few. Some of them can't be repeated on the radio. But um, we had my sophomore, not sophomore, my junior year, uh, Coach Morrill was was not pleased with us and giving us the business in practice. <laughs> and JC uh, is down tying his shoe listening to Coach Morrill go on. But Coach Morrill is backing up as he's yelling at us, or, or not yelling at us, firmly explaining, <laughs> firmly explaining things to us. And uh, he didn't see, see JC, so he tripped backwards over JC <laughs> onto the ground. And Stu's, Stu's a big guy. He's a big guy. So he went down hard. And JC's just like, and we were all terrified of what was about to happen. I walked over. I like help him up off the ground. Practice moves on, and then uh, he came into the the team room the next day before film, and he started off and say, "I know that everyone in this room is deathly afraid of me because not one person cracked a smile when I fell yesterday." Like, <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. But uh, that, that that was that was a good one. Um, but he was. He, I loved playing for that guy. Are Are you able to? We're not going to ask you to do it in here, but are you able to mimic the sweep dance? I I am not. I am not. I I, I saw it a couple <laughs> times in my career. He uh, he foretold that he was going to do the sweep dance when we won at Boise State my junior year, right. uh, when we won the WAC, and uh, he he and uh, he did the sweep dance, and it was it was you know ten years ago was a time before we had cell phones as as great as they are, but. Uh, I don't know if anyone after me ever caught the sweep dance on film, but I think you could probably sell that for, <laughs> for a good chunk because it's it's it eludes so many people. I get asked about, so well, tell me about the sweep dance, and I'm just like, y- you have to be there. You just have to be there and see see Coach Moore, and especially at that time because Coach didn't show you when he was happy too often, you know. And so those are one of the times where you're just like, he's happy, and and if he if if Coach Moore is happy, we're all happy. So, <laughs> what's the, who's the best player you ever faced in your college career? I mean, just trying to think. I mean, Paul George was at Fresno State when oh I was gosh. a senior. Um, but I, w- I mean, I didn't, I didn't look at him as like a player as like, oh, he's just so dominant, you know. Um, Javale McGee was was super talented. Um, Where was he at? Nevada. He was in Nevada. In Nevada with Armand Johnson and Luke Babbitt. Uh, after Luke Babbitt, um, I'd have to say probably Luke Babbitt was was super talented, oh, and he was tough. He worked hard. Um, 
Magnum Roll at LaTeX was really good. So those are the guys that I remember. Do you still watch Aggie basketball to this day? Do you keep up date with them, or you kind of separate yourself? No, no, I don't separate myself from them by any means. I, I, uh, I have five kids at home, but I, I catch, I catch up with it if I don't go to the game or try to watch the game. I make sure that I catch up on the stats. And Ty and I have a basketball camp up over here every year that we. we invite the Aggie players to come and, and oh, work cool. the, work out with the kids. And, and Coach Morrill is always good with us to help us have players, and, and Coach Smith's always been good with us to help us have players. So what? I keep try to try to keep in touch with, with, with people up there. So last question for me. Sam Merrill is on pace to maybe break or the 2,000-point barrier mark on Saturday night with the anniversary of Wayne Estes. Uh, Sam Merrill, J.C. Carroll, do you see any similarities, comparisons? I know a lot of people like to compare those two players. What do you see out of Sam? What do you see? From what you saw from JC, yeah. So <clears throat> Sam, Sam is super talented. I think he has his all-around game is is something that's that's really impressive. I was actually just out in Spain two weeks ago with JC, oh. hanging around and, and and going around, and he's shown me what life's like for a European superstar. But uh, <laughs> he uh, JC is probably he, I played with JC and another guy named Kirk Penny who went to the final four at Wisconsin. I played with him in Australia two best scores I've ever played with mm-hmm. guys could just fill up the stat sheet like nobody's business. And, um, JC, like he's got that killer mindset that it, it's really rare to where you can just, he's, and it's not a knock on him. He could shoot 10 times and miss every shot and take the next shot without feeling bad about it, which is, it's a great quality to have as a score. Um, I, I had a limit amounting of shots so I started to feel bad which I wish I didn't have but uh it was my, my teammates may not have thought so but it was there um so but Sam's all-around game defensively he's a two-way player like you you put him on your best player on defense you put him and he's your best player on offense he's a guy that can pass the ball and uh I I've really loved watching Sam play and develop as a player I've, I'm really impressed with with the steps that he's taken and his and I know I know how much work it takes to play at that level I mean I remember, uh, so my senior year, I was the preseason uh, player of the year for the Western Athletic Conference, and you put a lot of pressure on you. I mean, I don't play basketball, and, and I know Sam doesn't, to, to win those individual awards. You want to you win. and, and uh, But there's a lot of pressure to be that, and each game makes a difference with that, and trying to deal with that pressure and, and stay focused and stay driven and stay unselfish and committed to your team, that's a lot as a player. So... I've been extremely impressed with his poise and his ability to kind of weather that storm. Gary, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Uh, thank you for uh, spending some time with us. We really appreciate it, and thanks for all you've done for Utah State University. Yeah, thanks for having me. What a fun interview that was to have with Gary Wilkinson. Uh, really, one of the, again, one of the best big men to ever do it here at Utah State University. We'll take a break. Coming back, we'll get you ready for the second hour. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press, 106 NFM, 1390 AM, The Fan.